0: Future Hacker Life Path Future. Welcome back everybody. This is Maria Taiji for Future Hacker, and we are back with Elsa. Elsa, you're also very involved in empowering women, and you are a mentor yourself, right? So regarding specifically women in innovation, which are the most common challenges women are facing? And what would be your three top pieces of advice?
1: First of all, I was trying to figure out also what were the challenges. And I remember one uh, at one discussion, one had said, you know what? In certain sectors, for example, like STEAM, which is science, technology, etc., It takes so much time to finish your studies. And sometimes this is not very much compatible with personal life as well. So this may be one of the problems. But I think one of the biggest problems, of course, it's the fact that in terms of mentality, we still have quite some way to go to enhance equal rights and equal treatment. Having said that, I do believe that uh, in terms of innovation, women are faced also with some prejudices in terms of financing women that are founders, um, startups and companies. But again, this problem has been widely acknowledged and there have been policies around the world and also um, at the EU level to enhance the launch of initiatives by women innovators. So I personally think that when it comes to empowerment, like Robin Williams was saying in Dead Poets Society, I was like, carpe diem, like go out there and seize the day. It's not that easy to go out there and seize the day but we need to step up we need to stand our ground and just ask and don't hesitate to ask and i think we are still hesitating a little bit and we need to be more bold and just go out there and get our place i would say i was lucky i was extremely lucky because i have come across and worked uh, with brilliant women, role models. So one of them, it's when I grow up, <laughs> I'm going to be like her. But um, I was really lucky because I still also today talk and work with women, among which also you, who take initiatives like yours, who go out there, who take their place. They do not hesitate asking questions, asking to receive and creating and sharing knowledge and supporting other um, women. So I've seen women like this in my field, legal field, also in science and technology fields. We are really good. We can be very, very good when we go out there and go and get them.
0: Let's be the example, right? I absolutely love that. But, you know, as you mentioned, is this prejudice, you know, so I went to sharing something personal here. So I went to HBS and and the teacher, she's amazing. She's one of those women that I I want to be like that when I grow up. So Linda Hill, Professor Linda Hill, she's one of the top experts in the world in, in leadership. And we asked her in class, like, you know, regarding all the bias that not not only men but women as well have, that eh, regarding leadership, and then she shared with us that you know they did this test that they took all Harvard cases that they were asking the students to to evaluate the leadership of those cases and they simply changed the name. So whenever you you read it was a man, they changed the name to a woman's name. And whenever you read it was a woman, they changed it to a man. And just by, I'm telling you, just by changing, just by changing the name, the case was absolutely the same. Just changed the name. People and everyone, men and women, would just rate lower the leadership style. So it's it's tough out there, you know? (laughs) Maybe maybe it's just changing generations. It's cultural. You know, we're we're starting to learn differently. And you mentioned how hard it is to, to women get funding. And the data speaks in our favor, right? When you see that you have a, a diverse board, how the company goes better, and we have all the numbers on our side, but still it's a matter of, of changing the mindset. So hopefully we are, the way we are all raising our children, it, it's going to be a, more equal ways, so those type of discussions are not going to be so
1: needed in the future, right? But that's the point. That's exactly the point. I mean, we need to reach a point where this type of aspects would be a non-issue. We, wouldn't, we will not even need to discuss about this. I do not know when uh, we will get there, but I certainly believe we are um, doing great steps we need to have more women who are stepping up actually and a great support network and i'm sure once we really really put our minds to it which is also the case up to now we will be able to to get there just remember one um, anecdote so my younger daughter teacher she's given them two sayings in french one of them goes like you need to always target for the moon, because even if you do not arrive to the moon, you will at least land on the stars. So I think this is a mindset that we need to have. There have been many trailblazers in this field of women in innovation and standing their ground. So we need to be able to build further on their uh, initiatives. I love that phrase. Okay, so moving on, we are going to have a complete change in topics
0: here. And you know, as Chicha Hacker, we'll definitely have to cover that, but I love the lenses that you're going to give us. About the trending metaverse, how are the discussions around ethics on the metaverse developing? And you know, um, I feel that we currently, you know, without being there, we just about the digital world, we're already so delayed when it comes in setting the boundaries, at least I can speak for Latin America, right? you know, developing the rules and legislations to the current digital world is already something that is super delayed. So do you think we will keep up to what's coming? Will legislators be able to, to, you know, cover us, the safeguards and the ethics and the discussions that we need to have so we can have something that is going to be, I don't know,
1: morally acceptable? I'm not trying to be politically correct here, but I think there is neither a single nor a simple answer. It's normally, I'm a little bit more black and white, but in this case, I cannot be black and white. And Again, it's not because I want to be politically correct or anything. To start with, personally, I mean, I prefer to fly over to Sao Paulo, shake your hand, say, hi, Maria, pleased to meet you. Sit down, have a nice feijoada, for example. Good choice. Good choice. With caipirinha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see you in person. Now, if I really like you and I want to see you and chat with you now, okay, we have these different tools that we can talk, but if I could eventually interact with you in a different manner in another or in metaverse environments, I wouldn't say no. However, if I would need to do this only via metaverse environment, that's something that I wouldn't like. So it all depends on how a technology is used and uh, the purpose of use again and whether this is worthwhile and what would be an impact, whether it is a good or a bad impact. I've seen written in different places that technologies can be good or um, bad, but there was also an analysis that at, at the end of the day, we can have technologies that can be good or bad, depending, of course, on the context. So when it comes to the metaverse itself, I'm still trying to figure out what could be the purpose of use and whether this could be worthwhile. So I would assume that there are cases that it can be beneficial. I would assume that if you would spend your life completely immersed many hours a day in a virtual environment, that wouldn't be nice. And also there are aspects, for example, you mentioned what is morally acceptable. So I don't personally, I do not see also any reason why one would be able to engage into activities that could be harmful towards another person also in real life. And they would feel the liberty to do so in a virtual environment, for example. So it's not, again, for me, a question of morality, I would say, but I think it would have to be whether one's activities affect positively or negatively, in this particular case, another person's well-being. What would be the value add of a certain uh, activity? So technology evolves we need to be able to follow up, understand, and not exercise. I would say so. Yeah, I mean there are pros and cons. For the moment, as I said, I prefer real hugs. So, <laughs> a couple of years down the road, uh, if ever such technologies will be massively adopted, I will be able. I will still be able to do so. <laughs>
0: You know, and, and the next question I have for you is, is on that line. And to be fully transparent and honest with our listeners, you were the one that made the question when we first met, when when we had our intro call. And I, I thought it was such a beautiful question that that I had to keep it on the podcast, which is, you know, when we were talking about, you know, how, how machines are, are covering so many human tasks and, and the future and the metaverse, you you ask, so how to teach humans through machines to better love each other? Yeah. And at the end, we're just talking about how far are we going to be replacing our relationships by the virtual world and by the machines per se, and how are we balancing this, this interaction so we're still keeping a human-centered future somehow, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, so I do believe that We could use technology to teach us, actually, to help us understand ourselves more. I really like what Carl Sagan has written about technology, science and technology. For example, he said that we live in a society exquisitely dependent on science and technology in which hardly anyone knows anything about science and technology. For small creatures such as we, the vastness is bearable only through love. And science is a way of thinking much more than it is a body of knowledge. So I do believe that we can use science and technology to understand ourselves better. And as he also said, this is even nicer when he, he writes that you're an interesting species, an interesting mix. You are capable of such beautiful dreams and such horrible nightmares. You feel so lost, so cut off, so alone, only you are not. See, in all our searching, the only thing we found that makes the emptiness bearable is each other. So for example, now we use technology to have this podcast. It's as if you are next door. If technology helps me to understand myself better, which is has happened Many times, and understand my weak points and build further on my strong points and improve my weak points through technology so that we can have a more human centric design and a value sensitive design embedded in these technologies. We can definitely use technology to help us better understand each other and hopefully love each other more in a more compassionate manner it all boils down again on how we use the technology and how empathetically we use the technology so that we can sympathize as well with the person that is talking to us uh, working with us etc cetera, etc cetera. when it comes to future generations And also overall, I think education is key. So um, I think we can use technology to improve education about science, about ourselves, about our emotions. Not to dictate our emotions, but really to learn how we can better interact with each other. Hence, again, going back to this transdisciplinary approach. So education can also help us to get into a situation and learn about it without considering it a threat or being afraid about a certain type of technology. On the contrary, use it in a beneficial manner. But I do believe that children are recipients of all the messages that we pass to them. So if we pass the message that, okay, They're better off living in a virtual environment constantly. That's what they will be applying as a lifestyle. But if we pass the message that you can use new technologies to improve the way you work, the way you live, but still in a human-centric way where you can still interact with your friends, you still go out and play and you still climb on trees, and you still like being in nature, and you can still use technology to preserve nature, for example, then I truly believe that we can help solve a lot of problems such as environment protection and environmental consciousness. Absolutely. So keeping the topic about the future
0: generations, which I I learned this topic that is closer to your heart, right? So I'm, I'm going to quote yourself again. You told me the following, nobody ever died of too much love. I just thought that this was, you know, it was the perfect way to end our episode. What would be your advice to both parents out there doing their best to raise this new generation and to this wonderful youth? that will hopefully be more engaged and prepared to deal with whichever path we're building ahead, which, you know, would be your your special episode ending message to them. Here at Future Hacker, we are always concerned about, you know, covering education, how important, how essential it is, right? And how it's something that we have to take care of now instead of, you know, trusting on whichever future generations they are. We have to do that now. Like there's no waiting, Right. So which would be your, your, your advice to both parents and, and the youth out there?
1: Yeah, indeed. Nobody ever died of too much love. And actually it was not me who said that. I saw it written somewhere and it has stayed with me. I don't think we teach people a lesson by being severe or uh, ignoring them or just not being nice. I think It may sound very banal, but it is true that we need to be kind. On the other hand, I mean, you cannot continue being nice and getting continuously slapped on the face. No, that's not what I'm saying. That choosing kindness and love is a way of rendering, especially children, secure, self-confident, and developing the capacity to ask questions become curious, become compassionate and be in a growth, I would say, part. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not um, specializing on children's psychology or whatsoever. No, it's just my personal, uh, let's say, line to follow when it comes to interacting with children. So the more... You give love, the more you render somebody, and especially a child, I think, secure and confident, and the more you enable them to be on a growth path. My advice to parents and also younger generations is, I would say, love your children. Really be there. We have so much to do. And I'm definitely not... um, so to speak, trying to say that we need to be perfectly there constantly, no. But for example, I think it is kind of you that you reached out to me and we are having this wonderful discussion. And honestly, I'm really looking forward to coming back to Brazil and visiting you and your colleagues. So this is an act of kindness and it's happening quite a lot. I think we need to keep on sharing these acts of kindness and show compassion, give it our best, our sincerest best. And that's the advice that I would give also to to children. Try your sincerest best. Also another saying that it was given to my girl by her teacher, it's in French. And I will say it in French and I will translate because it's um, a word play. It goes like this. C'est en qu'on pousse. Planter in French means put a seed in the ground, but also it means uh, you make a mistake. So what it literally means is that by making a mistake, sometimes you can also grow. So indeed, we cannot be perfect and we do not want to be perfect. So we can make errors, learn from them, even repeat them two or three times. But if we want to evolve and become better than what we were even a minute ago, this is a life stance. And this is what I'm also trying to teach my children, is growth and becoming better by the minute, to the extent possible, of course. And this in a compassionate and kind manner. I think it's much less complicated. That was
0: absolutely lovely. Thank you, thank you, thank you also for being here with us for this lovely conversation and really great content and inspiration. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners and it will always be a pleasure to have you back whenever you're ready. I can't wait to see what your brilliant content you're going to have as a result of all your studies with your PhD. All the best of luck for you as well.
1: Thank you very much, Maria. It's been a great pleasure. And like I said, it was extremely kind of you. So it will be with great pleasure that I will join your podcast again. Future Hacker Life Path
0: Future.